Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're bringing you our review of Wes Anderson's latest, The French Dispatch, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies, don't we, Lee? Oh, we do. And we're talking The French Dispatch today, which is a love letter to journalists set at an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city. And it brings to life a collection of stories published in this French Dispatch magazine. The French Dispatch is directed by Wes Anderson, goodness, love him as a filmmaker, Mm -hmm. with a screenplay by Anderson based on a story by Roman Coppola, Hugo Guinness and Jason Schwartzman. Now, as with every Wes Anderson film, it has a cast of thousands in it. The headliners are Benicio Del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Lea Seydoux, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, Jeffrey Wright, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson... Etc. 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 It goes on and on. What a, an incredible cast! Just those mm. that you called out, and more and more bit plays mm. throughout. Just love it. So we said this is a collection of short stories. Mm. They're of varying lengths, which yes. can be detrimental. I think mm-hmm. some overstayed their welcome. How did yeah. you feel? Yes. I think the middle one with Francis McDormand and Timothy yes. Chalamet overstayed its welcome yes. a little, kind of messed up with the the pace and the momentum of mm. the film that they certainly set up to great effect at the beginning. Yeah. And Owen Wilson's cycling travelogue or <laughs> prologue, if you will. It's not yeah. part of the three main stories. It's just this little edition. Yeah. Um, it's quite a short edition. Quite a short edition. He takes you on a tour guide of the French town mm. that the French Dispatch publishes out yeah. of. So it really sets... Uh, a real tone and aesthetic and lay of the land yeah. of, of what it's like and who the people are. Yeah, it really sets the location of this French city. Look, I want 
a travel series starring Owen Wilson. Mm. Uh, like I think there's a, a little branch off career for Owen Wilson. Yes. I just loved him on his bike, <laughs> experiencing all these little things. I thought there was, yep, here we go. He's found a new calling. Yep. There's lots of information coming at you oh, yeah. from this film. There always is in a Wes Anderson yeah. film, isn't there? There's a lot of exposition, a lot of rapid fire dialogue and lot of detail. You say rapid fire, also very verbose. Oh, goodness, yes. You said that when we came out of the screening, how yeah. verbose it was. It's like he's slapped down a thesaurus. <laughs> he knows every <laughs> synonym of every word that's ever been written. Yes. And the way the story is told is so abstract, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's billed as being about the staff of the French Dispatch, this New Yorker-style publication, Yeah. except it's in France. Mm-hmm. And they're all convening to write an obituary about their editor, played by Bill Murray. Yes. And then these various short stories flow out as they remember him. Okay, so that's what it's billed as. That doesn't feel like the movie I was watching. The short stories were there, obviously. Mm. But Bill Murray was barely woven into them. Yeah, he, he wasn't really. But he, he it always harkened back to him as he worked with each of his mm. editors, each of his – sorry, he was the editor mm. – as he worked with each of his journalists yeah. to give notes and feedback because we've just experienced the story mm. told through their lens and then he jumps in and goes, you know, change this and what's this about and you should put this back in, mm. why did you remove that? We kind of just – he d- dips in and out of the story. But do you think it felt like them sharing stories about him? No. 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 So I think it missed its purpose in that point. It was a little too abstract, I think. Right, right. But on the abstractness, mm. I, I did love how each story was told in a really unique way. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to deep dive into this, but Tilda Swinton recounts her story through a lecture – Back to a big audience. Mm-hmm. So that's how she tells her story. And then you've got Frances McDormand. I guess she her story comes from the trenches and the sheets of a student uprising mm-hmm. in, in the town. And then Jeffrey Wright recounts oh. his story. Oh, my God, I loved this mechanic through a conversation with Lee Schreiber on a talk show. Yeah. So there were just all these really unique layers to how mm. each story was told, not only in the recounting sense, but then also visually and yeah. what the story and who the characters were. I just loved it. I loved that that balance there. Yeah. Speaking of Jeffrey Wright's section of the short stories, mm. absolutely brilliant, really fun. Bonkers. And yeah. <laughs> it's a shame that it was at the end though. Like, you know, that middle section with Frances McDormand kind of tests your patience a little bit. Mm, talk to me more. Were, were you bored or frustrated? I started to think, okay, move on a little bit. I yeah. mean, as we've said, there are so many layers to a Wes Anderson film mm. that there is so much going on at yeah. any one time that you are really engaged. And because it was episodic in nature, you kind of had, you would definitely say you have three movies in one, but you almost have Mm. like maybe three and a half or four movies Mm. in one with the little bit things. Do you think that was too much of it, like an assault on the senses, too many different things happening? Or did it excite you that you went to a new place every, you know, half an hour in the film? Yes, but the middle section didn't move on fast enough. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Which is a shame because you have Francis McDormand, Timothy oh. Chalamet just delivering in exceptional performances. And then Christoph Waltz pops up in there. We're going to talk about that later. We have okay. to talk about all the random cameos on top of all the massive A-listers that we just listed at the top of the episode. Yeah. There are also some cheeky little cameos where you go, huh, what? I didn't know he was in this. <laughs> Christoph Waltz was a particularly cheeky and fun random. He was on screen for five <laughs> seconds. I know. But he just delivers something that only Christoph Waltz can. But anyway, we'll touch on that after. I do love the style of a Wes Anderson 
film. Yes, I love please. how visually symmetrical his shots are. Yes. The colour use mm. or lack of colour use in this film. A lot of black and white here. Yeah. Um, the really unique characters with quirky traits that were actually mm. inspired by real people. Were they? I didn't know that. Yes, they were inspired by real people. So Tilda Swinton's art critic is actually inspired by a real art talker. I say that in air quotes. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, famous art historian, basically. Wow, I love that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the characters were sort of amalgamations of famous journalists or editors who worked or started The New Yorker. Now, obviously, the stories that they recount and are involved in, are, are they somewhat true? Based on true events or was it just inspired by certain journalists, I guess? Yes, just inspired by certain journalists. I I was going to be like, what? These things actually happened in some way, shape or form? And, you know, it's stranger than fiction nonetheless. But just going back to your point about how, you know, the, the style of a Wes Anderson film, he tells his stories as a tableau. Mm. I think, you know, like a, they're a living diorama. You've got a group of, uh, motionless figures that represent a scene. And he lent into that a lot in here. Mm-hmm. And you look at it and you're like, whoa, how much can I take in here? Mm-hmm. And you have to watch it more than once, I think, to fully appreciate what he's putting on on screen. One thing that was really interesting in the film that I wasn't sure if it was a Wes Anderson trope mm-hmm. or not is getting the actors to freeze frame rather than actually freezing the frame. Because you could see slight you could movement. See slight I movement. liked that though. Because yeah. it adds to the witty, whimsical tone of his films. But I couldn't quite remember. Does he usually do that? I don't know. I'm going to say yes because it felt familiar. Right. It felt familiar to me. Maybe mm. not to the extent that he did it in this film, but I think he's lent into it in some description. He, he maybe not freeze frame stuff, but he certainly positions them and, you know, that sort of slow head turned to the camera while mm. some voiceovers going over, being introduced. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely flavours of that in these other films. And the dialogue of his movies, as we've said, is always really heavy. Yeah. You know, as a journalist, mm-hmm. I was always taught, never use ten words when you can use five. Mm. Wes Anderson uses all of the words. And how <laughs> does that make you feel? Like it, You've been taught, you've been educated this, and you've got this film that goes against everything that you've been taught <laughs> Is it frustrating or do you get swept up in it? You have to get swept up in it. You have to really pay attention to Wes Anderson dialogue. Um, And there's a poetry to it, which is really enjoyable. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, here's an example. So one line in the film mentioned calorific depletion. Okay. Can you please explain? (laughs) Instead of simply saying hungry. Oh. Calorific depletion. Wow. That is that thesaurus again. (laughs) Well, I guess some of the things, I did feel a little bit alienated from time to time, but you knew that what he was saying was very verbose and very exciting. And I I suppose you could Mm -hmm. understand in somewhat in context what that Mm -hmm. might actually mean, but I didn't know that's what that meant. (laughs) Um, But hey, I'm going to use that instead of saying I'm hungry moving forward. (laughs) I was also surprised, and I'm no prude, but I was also surprised about the amount of full frontal nudity in this film. Yeah, it was a lot. Is that a Wes Anderson thing? That felt very new to me. Okay. I don't think that we've had that much nudity before. Mm. But obviously the first story is Benicio Del Toro is this incarcerated, tormented artist and Mm -hmm. his muse is the prison guard. 
and he paints these very obscure nudes, mm. but they don't really look like yeah, nudes. They're abstract. Abstract, yeah, thank you. Um, I should have got out the Wes Anderson <laughs> thesaurus. Um, yeah, but there was nudity a lot. It made sense though. It made, did it feel uncomfortable? No. Not make sense to you? It was, I thought it was beautifully used. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of it though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's go back to how much we saw. I mean, I, I don't want to make judgment on what no. was necessary and what wasn't and on God, like the people who were doing it, good on the body confidence. Yeah, Amazing. Absolutely. I wouldn't do that, but more power to them. Yeah. I was just surprised. I just, yeah, oh, I was surprised too. Okay. There's that person's vagina. Yes. Uh, again. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. So uh, obviously, you know, I think to encapsulate what Wes Anderson wants to achieve with his films, he wants his audience to have a good time. And did yeah. you have a good time? I did. Yeah, it was entertaining. Yeah. Yes. Can I share some really gorgeous quotes from the actors? Yes. Some of the actors that were in the film mm-hmm. who shared how they feel about Wes yep. and how he works and their experience. And there, there are two I'd like to share that mm-hmm. stood out to me. Mm-hmm. So actor Bob Balaban says of Wes that it's a very family experience to be in a Wes movie. It's friendly. And Wes is a strong father. Interesting, he calls him a father. Mm. A very kind and understanding and a very patient father. You never want to go home and you're quite happy if you're shooting at four in the morning. It just doesn't matter. How nice is that? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And Leia Seydoux says that as an actor, I found that there's a specific pace that you have to learn and understand when you work with Wes. And he is tireless and extremely attentive to the finest details. How true is that? Mm-hmm. He will do a scene over and over until he gets the smallest nuance that makes the difference and always with great humour. It's interesting that you say smallest nuance because mm. a lot of the lines are delivered with that deadpan yeah. delivery that is trademark of Wes Anderson Indeed. films. So you really need the nuance in there to get something out of it. Yeah, I agree. Especially in this age where we expect big bangs and big CGI and, you know, you're getting a film that's asking a lot of you. Like you really have to pay attention. Yeah, I completely agree. You have to pay attention to not only what he's mm. portraying visually but also through the dialogue and what you can pick up and yeah. understand exactly what the characters are feeling, doing and where it's headed. And a Wes Anderson film often gives you something more on a second watch. Yes, I can't wait to watch this movie again. For <laughs> that reason alone, just to get mm. those words, that verbose words and yeah. also visually taking in stuff I missed. Jumping off on the visual point, mm. let's talk about the sets and the cinematography. Massive, massive characters in Wes Anderson films. The sets in this one look like they are just a facade. Yeah. You know, very 2D. And I liked that choice. And there's a large use of green screen, which I found really interesting. Yeah, for like the background, you know, the skies and the rolling hills and things like that. And also Owen Wilson's section was, I think, entirely CGI almost. Interesting. Yeah, you are right. I guess it felt like with that unique visual stamp, Mm. it felt like a pop-up book at times. Oh, that's interesting. I like that because it's it's intentionally flimsy. Yes, but – to the point of utter precision, yeah. every shot has a purpose. Yes. Flimsy. Develop that out for me more. I'm just talking purely about the sets. Right. They looked like they could blow over in a wind. <laughs> <laughs> God, I got you. That is so true. But it's intentional. Yeah. And Anderson has never wastes a shot. Never. Like every shot is so meticulously framed, filled, colour graded. Everything is just perfect about it. 
in terms of what he's looking for. I think Timothy Chalamet said that there's a scene where he pins a notice on a board and goes over to a jukebox. Mm. He said they did that 45 times or something like that. He lost count how many takes because Wes has a particular way and probably how that got pinned on the board, the movement. It's all very, very curated. Mm. So I find that really interesting. What did you think about the choice to switch from black and white to colour? I liked it. I love when a film shoots in black and white because it lifts a lot of the textures in the costumes and the sets mm-hmm. that you don't get in colour. Yeah. Where I was a little confused was the choices sometimes in f- switching between black and white and colour. I was about to ask you, why do you think he did that? Well, okay, there's one moment that makes sense when mm. Benicio Del Toro's art is being mm. revealed for the first time and it switches mm. to colour so you get all of that. Yeah. So that makes sense. But sometimes it just seemed a little odd. Well, I took out of it that the black and white was that it was this dismal world Okay. The prison world was often in black and white. Yes. And when art or something was revealed to be amazing, it was turned to colour. Yeah. Again, I think that on a second viewing, I'll be paying more attention to the choices that he makes and the moments mm. he makes to switch from black and white to colour and back again and try and understand why. Mm. I think you'll get a lot more out of second yeah. viewing for that, for those choices. And where Wes Anderson chooses to place the camera is really interesting too. I don't know if you noticed, but there was sometimes perched on top of a car, yeah. on top of a piece of furniture, very unusual places to put it. I wonder why that is. I guess he always is pushing the boundaries to represent his world and his characters in really unique visual ways. Mm. And yeah, I just love, I love where he puts the camera. My God, like <laughs> this is just one big puff piece on the cinematography <laughs> of a Wes Anderson yes. film. And did you know it was filmed in a real French town? I did. That is very interesting. They would have taken over the whole joint. Oh, yes. They employed something like 900 citizens to be uh, extras. Wow. And the animated sequences, which we haven't really talked about. There's this animated sequence that's very Rin Tin Tin. Oh, yes. Did you notice that? Yes, yes. Which is, is that a French cartoon? It it sounds French. I think you're right. (laughs) It sounds French. (laughs) My gut tells me it's French. Um, So this town is actually full of artists and the production employed almost entirely local talent for the animation sequences at least. That animation sequence was great because it also made it feel like it was the caricatures Mm. of what the French dispatch might have drawn in there to help tell the story visually. So I loved that aspect of it. But there was a laugh out loud moment in there mm-hmm. that you and I just lost it. Yeah. it was, I just, and, there's some, and I think they could have only delivered that hilarity punch in that style of animation. Yeah. I thought it was a really nice change in how mm. he chose to tell that section of the story, which was a thrilling car chase, mm. wasn't it, through the cobblestone yeah. streets. And that's something that Wes Anderson weaves into his films too. Stop motion is a big part of it. Yes. Animation now as well. Oh, God. It was really fun to watch. It was. It really, really was. See, he <laughs> wants you to enjoy and have, have fun exactly. in his films. That's exactly what he's after. So let's talk about some of the characters and performances. We're only going to cherry pick a few because as There's we so said, many. there are so many people <laughs> in this film. But as I mentioned earlier, there are so many surprise cameos. Okay. And it's not really a spoiler to reveal them, but just you could just look on IMDb. But Ed Norton pops yeah. up. Angelica Houston is the narrator. I did not know that. There you go. I was trying to think who the narrator was. I mean, I could have just jumped on IMDb, but I didn't. <laughs> Dumb. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I can hear her. Saoirse Ronan. Yes. Pops up too. I love her. God, she's great. And Christoph Watts, which we mentioned <laughs> earlier. Yes. His 
hairpiece was horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Winkler's in there. Oh, so many cool people in there. Oh, I love Henry Winkler. Yeah. And as I mentioned, the characters are inspired in part by real journalists and writers. So Bill Murray's editor mm-hmm. was inspired by the New Yorker editors Harold Ross and William Sean. So they're an amalgamation of the people who actually began the New Yorker. So we said this is like a love letter to journalists, but mm. it's more a love letter to the New Yorker and Wes Anderson's affinity for this magazine. Tilda Swinton's art lecture was inspired by Rosamond Bernier. And Tilda Swinton, can we just talk about her for a second? She's so wonderful she, in Is there this anything film. she can't do? Oh, my God. She's all glamour and buck teeth and then her character has like this hint of a scandalous past that just gets <laughs> dropped out every now and then and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 a photo that wasn't meant to make the presentation. Yes, yes. So, oh, that's me. Or she's making a point and she kind of trails on a little bit and reveals a bit more than she yeah. meant to. <laughs> One of my favourite nuance moments that she delivered in her performance was she took this break. She goes, I'm going to break for my drink now. And then... <laughs> Like kind of has a cocktail like yeah. underneath and oh anyway, it's just weird and wacky and then she gets on with it and it's like yeah. I just love those layers to her characters. Her performance is amazing. I can't fault any of the actors, to be honest. No. And Jeffrey Wright especially was the standout for me. His voice. Oh. My goodness. His story, I think, and his experience had the most emotion to it, I feel. Mm. So I really connected with his story, his part, his mm. third part in the film, um, more than any of them, I feel. But my favourite performance, though, mm. just had to be Benicio Del Toro. He was great. He yeah. was fantastic. He plays maniacal, tortured artist. And yeah. one of the visual stamps of his character that I just loved from a detail perspective was that he was always covered in paint. Mm. Beard in his beard, his hair, his face, his hands. There's this moment where he's got 500 paintbrushes in his hands and he's toggling between them. Mm-hmm. I just loved the physicality okay. of what he yeah. brought to screen and it was a great way to start the film. Going back to Jeffrey Wright, not mm-hmm. that it's a competition or anything. Okay, well, I'll go back to Benicio. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned what his story was actually about. It was quite weird, wasn't it? He was a food writer. Foodie, yeah. And he's telling a story about going to a police commissioner's house to have a dinner with this famous police chef. Yes. And then it turns into a heist. Yes. A child gets kidnapped. Yes. Yeah. And it just becomes this crazy heist through the streets of France. It's amazing. And Bill Murray's like, you're meant to be writing a piece on the chef and food. (laughs) No. Uh, Yeah, at the end. And you're like, oh, yeah, he was. Like, where was that? I mean, (laughs) the chef played a key character, key role. Yeah. But it it wasn't really about the food, but it was at the same time. Yeah, it was a very complex uh, roller coaster that so one. I loved bizarre. it. I mean, you can use all of these terms like weird, wacky, bizarre to describe a Wes Anderson film, but I think that does it a disservice yeah, because I agree. there is so much to it and it's so creatively unique. Yes, I completely agree. Mm. Well, can I just touch on Timothy Chalamet only just yes. to say that I think he's going to be an actor who continuously shows up in more and more Wes Anderson films. I just think he's Mm. an actor, a young actor that has Wes Anderson film written all over him. (laughs) So I think this isn't the last time we'll see him in in an Anderson film. And isn't it great that he can straddle independent films, a film like this, and then blockbusters like June? Yeah. We've seen him in a lot of films in the last couple of weeks Mm. and it just shows his range as an actor and the sorts of projects that he's looking to challenge himself on. And thank God you're here. Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet Ding Dong. I have trouble pronouncing Timothy Chalamet's name. You don't hear it in the final product, but it's fun. 
Uh, should we wrap up our review of The French Dispatch? You know, I don't want to because I could talk about this movie all day, but yes, okay. let's, let's get to that part of the episode. So The French Dispatch is an engaging, entertaining love letter to journalists and editors inspired by Anderson's affection for The New Yorker. It's bursting with trademark Anderson charm and aesthetics, but I thought it was unbalanced in places and lacking in some of its original purpose. But if you're a fan of Wes Anderson's work, you'll love The French Dispatch, although I'm not sure it ranks as one of his best. We didn't really discuss that. Do you think it's... It's up there, but it's not mm. Dejeeling Limited up there. Right, okay. Mm. But it will work the mind and it will delight and it will always demand your attention. I'm giving The French Dispatch three and a half popcorn kernels. I always look forward to Wes Anderson's next film because they offer the kind of escapism that's hard to come by in cinema. Dispatch offers endless entertainment, poetic and delicious dialogue. There is something to enjoy in every single frame which demands at least a second viewing to capture all the detail and nuance presented. No one makes films quite like Wes Anderson and this is his most ambitious film to date and it is a wonderful, witty and delectable watch. I'm going to rate the French Dispatch for Popcorn Kernels. Well, there you have it, guys. The French Dispatch is in Australian cinemas from December 9. So, Tim, we're kicking off with some sad news this episode. The actor and dancer professionally known as David Gulpilil passed away this week. After making his debut in the film Walkabout in 1979, he then went on to star in Crocodile Dundee, Storm Boy, Rabbit Proof Fence and Australia, among many others. We're so lucky to have him in our lives The actor will be honoured this week on Wednesday, December 8, with his likeness projected on the sales of the Sydney Opera House while inside the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Arts Awards, also known as the Actors, uh, presents him with the Longford Lyle Award for his contribution to the film industry. Mm, Such a sad loss. Yeah, tragic loss. In other news, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II has had to drop out of George Miller's Mad Max prequel, Furiosa, due to scheduling conflicts with a secret passion project. Secret Mm. passion project. Mm. So details around the character aren't known, but British actor Tom Burke will now step into the role that Yahya has left behind. And the release date has also been pushed out by a whole year and will land not until 2024. Wow. So I, it's weird that he's got this conflict, scheduling mm. conflict, when the film's not coming out for mm. 17 years still. I wonder what this character was. Yeah. Must have been pretty flexible to be able to switch actors like that. Yeah, it's a real shame. He's such a loss to the project. Yeah. He is everywhere at the moment, oh, obsessed with what he delivers. Can't wait to see him in The Matrix Resurrections. And I don't know whether it's been officially revealed or announced, mm. but everyone's assuming that he's Morpheus. Yeah. Yeah. Obsessed. We'll see. We'll be seeing it very soon. We will. Watch this space, guys. In huge news, Tim, oh, my God, Tom Holland (laughs) will likely continue in the role of Peter Parker for three more Spider-Man films. Producer and former Sony boss Amy Pascal dropped the tease in an interview saying, we are getting ready to make the next Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland and Marvel. We're thinking of this as three films and now we're going to go on and make the next three. Oh, my God, Lee. (laughs) Oh, my God. Slightly excited over here. So this news comes after Holland told GQ magazine, maybe it is time for me to move on. Maybe what's best for Spider-Man is that they do a Miles Morales film. If I'm playing Spider-Man after I'm 30, I've done something wrong. And he's currently 25. He can fit three more in. He can. Do it. (laughs) 
like a workhorse Tom Holland is. Yeah. Now, Tim, it looks like Magic Mike has one last dance in him <laughs> after all. Channing Tatum revealed on his social media that Magic Mike 3, Magic Mike's last dance, <laughs> is coming our way. What are you laughing at? It's the worst title of all time. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's coming at us either way. Yeah. Steven Soderbergh has also agreed to return to direct, but this one will be skipping cinemas in the US and going straight to HBO Max, and there's no word on the Australian release date yet. I haven't seen any of the Magic Mike films, so Have here what? I am casting what? shade at the third and its title. I haven't watched them. You have to see them. They're actually quite enjoyable. Are they? Even the second yes. one? I heard that was a bit of a dud. Uh, no, I still had fun. Okay. All right. I'll add it to the list. Yeah. I'll watch it over the holiday period. So after the reception of the first two Magic Mike films, the brand exploded out to feature live shows and a reality competition, and the ongoing success have made producers want to develop a story that will bring the film franchise to a proper conclusion. Mm, Got to have a proper conclusion for Magic Mike. <laughs> Always. Don't leave the guy hanging. Yeah. Come on. Oh, so much exciting news this week, Tim. Oh, oh my, my goodness. Nicholas Cage has signed on to Universal's MonsterVerse to play Dracula in the blockbuster Renfield alongside Nicholas Holt as the unhinged Renfield. This is the greatest piece of casting that I've heard in a long time. This feels like the role he was born to play. Yes. Never mind Superman. <laughs> oh, probably still a bit of a sore spot for yeah, him. <laughs> but I love this for him. Oh, me too. So the movie is set in the present day, but will be an origin story for Dracula's notorious henchman who was an asylum patient under the influence of Dracula. I hope he's in it a lot. Well, I mean, he's Dracula, so... Hopefully he's written in a way that he does feature yeah, prominently. But, but it is an origin story for Renfield, so it might be leading up to the events when he meets Dracula. So you're saying then we'll get a sequel <laughs> where <laughs> he'll be able to continue his Dracula story? Okay. Renfield 2. Renfield 2. <laughs> Oh, Tim, God. everyone is absolutely buzzing on the internet about a first look at Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It was leaked by Ace Rule of Creature Bionics when he posted a picture of himself wearing a stunt crew t-shirt. Whoopsies. Nutty, nutty boy. That's right. The tweet has since been deleted, of course, but the t-shirt shows Ant-Man's smashed helmet with a comic book accurate looking Kang the Conqueror played by Jonathan Majors reflected back in it. Mm, I think what's most exciting is that it looks comic book accurate. Yeah, I love that too. We still have a while to wait because Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania isn't hitting screens until 2023. It's quite early for a leak like that to come about, mm. but glad it exists. Lee, we're going to end this episode with... Like some news, right? <laughs> that you'll see where this is going. We've no idea what the hell is happening here. But Robbie Williams' biopic Better Man is to be filmed in Melbourne, Australia. Well, that's quite exciting. That is good. That's not what is batshit about this. Directed and co-written by Australian filmmaker Michael Gracie, who did The Greatest Showman Love with, this. with our mate Hugh mm-hmm. Jackman. Uh, the film will look into the experiences that shaped the UK pop star Williams, both on and off the stage. Now, Take this bit, Lee. So, in researching this piece of news... <laughs> Sorry, guys. Come on, come on. In get re- it out. I'll get it out. In researching this piece of news, we read a few articles, yeah. you know, had a look around, and there was one interesting deadline <laughs> article. I'm going to get this out. Sorry, I'm getting in the way of getting this out. So, it's expected that Williams is actually going to play himself, which yes. is, is quite cool. But in this deadline article, it reads that Williams will be... <laughs> Go and get it. Please, you're killing me. 
So in this Deadline article, it says that Williams will be portrayed by a CGI monkey <laughs> in the film. A monkey. This can't be right. This can't be right. <laughs> but this is in Deadline. <laughs> Has somebody hacked a Deadline article? <laughs> it was bring your kid to work day. And they're like, oh, can you just add this little thing in, Billy? Added CGI monkey. I mean. Uh, it could be true. But how or why it fascinates and confuses me like you have no idea. Lily, you are crying. You literally tears coming <laughs> I didn't think we needed a CGI monkey, Robbie Williams, but I'm really glad that we could be headed that way. It also somehow seems so right. <laughs> oh it God. seems right. Oh, I want to be a better monkey. <laughs> All right, guys, we're about to lose our little mind. So we're going to leave it there with another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We covered off Wes Anderson's latest whimsical film, The French Dispatch, which is in Australian cinemas December 9th. Please do yourselves a favour, check it out. Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Come and join in on the conversation. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Popcorn Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.